Good morning. Today's reading is from Hebrews chapter 3, which is on page 1202 of the Church Bibles, which are in the seats just in front of you. So Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 1 and reading through to the end of the chapter. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house. And we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. So, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion, during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. This is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. As has just been said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hi, so today we're carrying on our course on the, the amazing book of Hebrews, which I'm really enjoying. So, I became a Christian when I was about 14. And at that time, I was a very average student. There was no way I was ever going to set the world to light. But after becoming a Christian, I felt a stronger and stronger call that I was to become a doctor, which no one else believed could possibly happen, except, of course, my mum and God. But I put my head down 
I worked, and in 1975, I started Liverpool Medical School, and in 1980, I actually managed to qualify. And so for the last 40 odd years, I have followed that calling, and somehow I've managed to stay faithful to it. I wouldn't say I've done everything right. I've made mistakes, I've said the wrong things. There are things I deeply regret. But on the whole, looking back, I'm satisfied with the calling. I feel that God's given me a real ability to be able to help people and that I've done it, which is great. So 40 years, and I'm just coming to the end of that now because in one week, two days, I retire. And I'm gonna to have to find a new calling. But that 40 year stretch is also the time the children of Israel spent wandering around the desert. But for them, it wasn't a calling, it was a sentence. Because even though they'd seen the plagues, even though they'd seen the parting of the Red Sea, when they got into the desert, they weren't able to trust God and they whinged and complained and turned from him. And so they were not allowed to go into the promised land. But you know, I look at myself 40 years ago and I think I'd be one of those people that was whinging. I was pretty good at whinging 40 years ago. I've got less good, of it, good at it as time goes on, which has to be a good thing. I'm just thinking, there we all would be, baking desert, no food, no water, of course we'd whinge. And then looking at the land of milk and honey and seeing the great fortified cities and the giant warriors, we'd be scared. I would have been scared. I'm pretty risk averse. I'd say there's no way we could do that. So I've got a lot of sympathy with them. But Moses, of course, was there for 40 years as well. But for him, that wasn't a sentence, that was his calling. And he was faithful to his calling. He cared for those whingy, rebellious people for 40 years as they carried out their sentence. And we've studied Moses a bit in our previous sermon series. So we've seen him as the doomed baby to the arrogant prince, to the murderer, to the shepherd in exile, to the leader who was so inarticulate he had to get his brother to speak for him, to the great leader who became, I think, Jew, the Jews' greatest leader ever. Now it says in the, in the passage that Moses was a servant in God's house. And that's a quote from Numbers 12. And this is what it actually says. When there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, reveal myself to them in visions. I speak to them in dreams. But that is not true of my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. With him I speak face to face clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. So something incredibly special about Moses. So why does it matter that Jesus is greater than Moses? Well, <clears throat> to the people at that time, the Jews of that time who followed Jesus, there were two errors they could fall, on, fall in. And there's the one that we're more likely to fall in, that we see Jesus has come, everything has changed, and we disregard the Old Testament. 
And the other one, which isn't really our issue, is for many Christian Jews, they held on to Moses and the law. It had been their whole life. So of course they held on to it. But they didn't get the full promise of Jesus because they were still holding on to the law. So from that point of view, the writer to the Hebrews needed to make the point. Moses and his leading the people seemed to be the defining story of the Jews, how they were led out of slavery in, the promise, in Egypt, through the desert, into the promised land. But in fact, that was just a shadow for the reality. And the reality was our defining story when Jesus came, when God was born as a human being, he came through his death and resurrection to lead us out of slavery to sin and into the glory of eternal life. And that is the story. But while the writer to the Hebrews was looking at Moses, he was seeing a people who'd fallen away, who'd rejected God. And he was very worried that the same thing might happen to the Jews in his day, the Christian Jews in his day. And in fact, I know that in my Christian life, I've started this call with a lot of other people and we've worked together. And so many of them have either come across adversity and moved away from God, rejected God, or they've just drifted. And that's a real sadness. But Moses stayed faithful to that call. And for some reason, I stayed faithful to my call, which I just have to thank God for. But I want to look at a couple of things from Moses' life, from my life, and from the passage that enables us to stick firm to our calling that we all need to do, we need to be intentional about. The first one is we need to be worshippers, and the second one, we need to be bricks. So let's look at being worshippers. Hebrews 3 begins, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thought on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. We need to fix our eyes upon Jesus. We need to think about him. We need to have him in our minds, in our hearts constantly, thinking that this is Jesus, the radiance of God's glory. He's the exact likeness of God's being. He's the one through whom the world was created. He's the one who holds everything together through his word. He's the one who achieved purification for our sins and went to sit at the right hand of God. He's the one who should always be in our hearts and our minds. And you can see Moses. Moses used to go into the, the tabernacle, to the place where God physically was on earth. He used to go in there and he used to talk to God. And when he came out, his face was shining. So he had to hide it with a veil. So he kept that worship, that relationship with God going. And of course... There was the tabernacle, and then there was the temple, and the place where God was on earth. But when Jesus died, the curtain in the temple tore, and suddenly God's presence was in the world, and suddenly all of us, everyone, could go into God's presence and worship. But how do we worship? 
Now, I know that um, we've lost a lot of our musicians, singers, and worship leaders recently, and some people saying worship's not what it was in church, sung worship isn't what it was, and I have to admit, any church that has me as the only guitarist is in a bit of trouble. But what I've discovered is that if I come to church with the attitude that I have come to worship God, that I have come to to just think about him and wonder at his holiness, then I can be transformed by the worship here. But we do need to pray for more worship leaders, singers and musicians. But of course, worship is about an enormous amount more than singing, isn't it? It's about going into God's presence as Moses did. It's about praying. It's about praising. It's about seeking the fullness of the Holy Spirit. It's about looking at scripture, studying it, meditating on it. And for me, the heart of worship is what I do when I preach. It's the being given a passage or a truth and just going deeper and deeper into that, seeking the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, getting more and more excited, and then in the best way I can, which is never good enough, try and share that excitement with you guys. And of course, the wonderful thing about preaching is that I'm on a rotor so that it happens over and over again. And for each one of us, we need to find our worship pathway and we need somehow to schedule it into our lives so that we can fix our eyes on Jesus the second thing is being a brick. And of course, what I mean by that is that, what does the writer of the Hebrews say? He says, Moses is the servant in the house. Jesus is the maker of the house. What is the house? We are the house. Because of course, God used to live in the tabernacle and then he lived in the temple. But the temple is in ruins in Jerusalem now. Where does God live? He lives in the heart of his people, and we are his people. Now, if you have one brick, it doesn't make a building. If you take a ton of bricks and scatter it across a field, it doesn't make a building. What makes a building is all the bricks fitting together, supporting each other. And that's what we're called to do. Moses couldn't do it alone. He had the help of Aaron, who spoke for him of Miriam, his sister, although they could be a bit flaky. He also had 70 elders who were filled with the Holy Spirit who could help him um, look after the, the over a million people that he was caring for. And then there's the story, remember the story where Joshua was off in battle and Moses was holding his arms in the air and as long as Moses' arms stayed in the air, the battle was being won. But as soon as the, his arms started to sag, the battle began to be lost And so Aaron and Hare came along and they held his arms up. And that's a picture of encouragement. So we encourage each other into God's work. And in the same way, we keep each other faithful. What I said at the beginning about if I'd been one of the children of Israel in my winchy phase, I would have just gone with what everyone else was doing. And the kind of reverse has happened because I've been in the church There have been times where I might have fallen, where I might have slid. But because I was surrounded by other people who encouraged me, I kept going. The writer to the Hebrews says in in chapter 3, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so, 
this is just the importance of building up this community of faith and each one of us taking our place in it and helping each other and supporting each other as we go out into the world and do whatever God's called us to do. In my life, I've been privileged to be part of many really good house groups and also many really good teams where we work together doing something like youth work, music or whatever, holding each other together and, and, and helping each other. And I think everyone needs to be part of some kind of group. And I'd say if you're not in a house group, then um, I would follow the... Um, the Lent series that we're going to be running in church to build two new house groups. So, to sum up, I want to thank God for 40 years in the NHS, for 40 years of, of serving God and being able to help people, thanks to his help. And what's kept me doing it, being a worshipper and a brick. So... Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus and encourage one another daily as long as it's called today.